0: Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. You're with Lembid on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: One hour down, two to go, welcome to the Lembotopic show where we dig deep with our guests, where we really get to know what they think and have the time to explore ideas and sometimes take divergent paths to different subjects. Uh, Great uh, credit to Siv for explaining why he's interested in British football and British (laughs) rugby. Uh, But we return to politics now, and I just want to read you one thing which is really quite relevant, I think, to diversity and the problems that have happened in one part of the United Kingdom, namely Northern Ireland or the North of Ireland, even those words are charged. I'll explain why in a minute. Uh, uh, Hemingway says, Why should we be burdened with thinking for ourselves when selfless politicians are so willing to think for us? Yeah, I see the the, uh, sarcasm there. But maybe that's at the heart of so much of what we're fed and expected to accept and expected to believe. Perhaps that's at the heart of the problem that led to the deaths of 3,200 people in a province of the United Kingdom, which only has a population of one and a half million. What's going on there, I'll tell you uh, in a moment, Uh, we've got this fantastic guest, somebody who actually put his life in the line of fire, in the aim of peace, Uh, a military man, Tim Scott, who'll be joining us in a moment or two. But before we go to that, I just want to highlight something, as I promised I would, of increasing concern to those of us who expect our politicians to be compassionate enough to decide whether to declare a war or not. Uh, As you've just heard in the news beat there, uh, Joe Biden, the current president of the United States of America, seems to be really struggling uh, with communication. Maybe he's feeling a little bit ill, maybe he's tired. But there's no doubt that his advisors, his consultants will be holding their head in their hands as he continues to prove what others are claiming, uh, namely, that he is having some issues in terms of his cognitive capabilities. In perhaps the greatest irony of all, uh, when a perhaps politically charged judgment was made about him saying that despite having technically broken the law in terms of secret documents, uh, he shouldn't be taken to court because he's a kindly elderly man with memory problems. When that was said, well, Didn't sound too good for the president of the United States, did it? So they wheeled Joe Biden out to say that he had no memory problems. And he'd more or less nailed it, not brilliantly, but competently. And then what did he do? And you should really go and look at this clip. He turns around and he comes back to the podium. And then he mixes up the president of Mexico with the president of Egypt. They're not even close. And then, of course, that becomes the headline. Uh, this machinery of gaffing uh, that he seems to be deploying is now becoming a very serious threat to his ongoing tenure, in my opinion. I bet there are individuals in the United States administration who are now thinking, how do we replace him before November? But here's the problem. The Democrats haven't got an obvious alternative. People talk about Michelle Obama. As far as I know, she hasn't declared. And furthermore, that brings with it a whole massive mountain of baggage which perhaps the democrats might not want to have to share with the general public. What we're seeing in the United States is theoretically the most powerful man in the world bumbling and proving why retirement age is quite a smart concept. And consider this, if Joe Biden is stumbling over simple phrases now and he gets reelected, what will he be like? in four years' time. Now, for people like me, of course, he's a gift that keeps on giving. Uh, he's entertaining, stand-up comedians have no trouble simply repeating the things as he says. But the darker side of this is that the head of the free world, as in my view, he's somewhat laughably called, cannot even remember the fact that uh, Macron is in charge of France, not Mitron, who he says he met, but who actually died in 1996. It seems to me that President Joe Biden is walking with ghosts and thus making himself look like a ghost himself. Is this a recipe for stability as some say it is because he hasn't got the initiative or the brain power to actually declare a war, or is this a destabilizing factor in world politics because those who control him can do what they like. Well, I'll leave that for you to think about. Uh, next week, I hope to get an expert on America uh, on again, because it seems to me there are questions that need to be answered. And who knows what Joe Biden will have done in the intervening seven days. More than anything, I wonder if this is the time for us to consider how we choose our politicians. Because just at the moment, and a far cry from how it was 40 years ago when I first got involved in politics, the great and the good, the leaders, the inspirational speakers, those with a narrative that I can believe in are few and far between, at least in the West. And as long as the West chooses weakness over strength, as long as we choose people who don't even seem to be able to string a sentence together, then the ascendant BRICS countries, as they're called, will be laughing all the way to the bank and all the way to world control. Perhaps we deserve it. Perhaps the world will be better in that situation. Perhaps the Western hegemony has reached its sell-by date. But one thing's for sure, as long as the likes of Biden are in charge, then it looks too many that no one is in charge at all. I'll let you put your comments and calls on that. Uh, Welcome to Get Involved. Uh, Coming in a minute, we're going to look at something of a success story in my judgment, the antithesis of what I've just said, where sharp minds with a clear narrative got together with people they hated and have created a peace, which I hope Many will like. All of that coming up with Tim Scott in a moment and me on the Lembitobic Show, right here on today's News Talk.
2: Getting straight
0: to the facts.
2: Enough with the lies. We need facts. This
0: is today's News Talk Radio,
1: TNT. Joining me now is a man who could not be more different to Joe Biden. A man who who's so sharp, he can cut anything just with his wit. It's Tim Scott who is Good morning. the man in charge. Good morning, the man in charge of the Freedom Association, Hi, Tim. Great
3: to see you again. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, Lembit, and and I'm just thanks for having me on again. Uh, it's uh, uh, I haven't been I haven't been cancelled yet, so a, that's always a welcome. And you know, just that's... listening to what you were saying about Biden, I mean Egypt and Mexico. I mean, surely these are two countries which you know any anybody could muddle up. You know, <laughs> Egypt and uh, Egypt and Mexico. You know, e- easily confused, two easily confusable countries. And, uh, I'm just, I'm just thinking of, uh, you know, here we are in 2024 and, uh, it's a leap year. So we've got a February the 29th, which is, uh, which is great. Um, I always say to someone, if I don't want to do something, I'll say, yeah, I'll do that on February 20th. Uh, I'll do that on February 31st. Um, but we've got, we've got a whole extra day to enjoy, um, not just Biden versus Trump, but Starmer versus Sunak as well. Uh, what, a, what a depressing prospect.
1: Uh, well. It's depressing if you actually think we need great politicians. I actually do think we need great politicians. If you just want to laugh, we've got a ringside seat to the slow. Well, and- I, yes,
3: I, I guess it keeps the likes of us in business, doesn't it? And um, you know what a choice the Americans have got out of a population of what is it, three hundred and twenty million? You know they've got they've got one candidate who um, it, it has trouble forming sentences. And um, th- they've got another candidate who is facing sentences. So uh, you know, it's 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 quite the choice, isn't it? Is that your line? Because I'm going to steal it. Oh, please do, please do. Yeah. Well, the oh. the art of originality is disguising your sources. So uh, I, I couldn't possibly comment further than that.
1: well uh okay uh incidentally do you know uh, um i think you know it's el assiz is the president of egypt do you know the name yes yes yeah Yeah. Uh, what's the name of uh the do you know the name of the president of mexico
3: that is a very good question and in obrador 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 Obrador. Obrador, okay in 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 bush jr fashion i'm going to pass on that one
1: but but you're not trying to be the leader of the free world are you and no, you're forgiven for no. that um yes and and, and, and the point i'm making is it doesn't even sound the same uh, this is no. incredible El- elsizi and obrador they-, they begin with a vowel but that's about it
3: uh easily confused uh, and you know on you know macron and meteron macron <laughs> and, you know at least at least they both start with an m
1: yes but but unfortunately meteron died uh 28 years ago <laughs> <laughs> well, he
3: he probably did meet on I, I guess. Metatron, he was yes. the sort of the left left. But not recently. But no, not, not recently.
1: recently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, what's that? What's that line from the Sixth Sense? Uh, I see dead people. This is the problem. Yes. Biden seems to be living yes. in a twilight zone, and and uh, we'll talk about Northland in a minute. But just for a few minutes, sure. since we have gotten yeah. into this now,
3: yeah. Why not? What
1: do you what do you think? I don't. I don't want to run the guy down for being old. But at the same time, he's putting himself in the line of fire by saying he is not too old to be president. What do you make of his cognitive state? And I'm sure you saw the coverage of the last couple of days. Yes.
3: Yeah. I mean, he he's been in Congress since he was about age 30. You know, he's he's been in office for something like 60 years. Biden, he he went into Congress at a very early age. He was vice president, of course, to Obama. Uh, Apparently he's forgotten that as well. And I mean, say what you like about Trump. I'm not a huge Trump fan, but the the guy seems fairly cognitive. And at the 2020 election, he was flying around in this in this jet with his, you know, he very modestly put his name on the side. And he was doing like four rallies and Trump was doing like four rallies a day. Well, that's pretty good going for someone who's 78. I mean, Biden, honestly, you know, even even in 2020, they were... um, to use the phrase, they were having to call a put a lid on his campaigning so he could have an afternoon nap. I mean, what? There's the, the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, wasn't it? Sixty-two. Yeah. John F. Kennedy. Apparently, he stayed up for four days straight during the Cuban. Didn't go to bed for four days during the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, I think Biden's having trouble staying up all day, let alone for <laughs> for four days. So really, I thought, I thought Biden should. Biden should
1: be running for a for a care hope, not the not the White House. I I saw uh, Donald Trump uh, was it yesterday day before we saying, I'm sharper now than I was 20 years ago. Sharper yeah, now. Yes. I am, I am.
3: It's beautiful, it's beautiful. And I don't believe him. impersonation. Yeah.
1: Um, yep. he's he's actually fairly easy to in impersonate, whereas with Biden, it's just um Poor kids can well, do just as well as white kids. Uh, end a quote. And and yeah, you just, just, you, we're just mumble and just
3: mumble and grunt, and, and you'll yeah, sound well, a bit like the, Biden. The, 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 and uh, he, he, he uh, keeps problem. falling over. He's yeah, he's like um, you know he even managed to fall over running up the aircraft steps. Let alone <laughs> twice. down them.
2: Yeah, yeah twice, well no, I think it was three.
3: Yeah. He stumbled. Was it three times? Maybe it was three times. Uh, you know, running oh, up the steps. You can't even run up the steps. Let alone down them.
1: If he was your granddad, you'd, you'd be concerned. You would say, oh, "Is granddad coming for Christmas?" Let's make sure that he can stay on the ground floor. That's what you'd say. But instead, we've got this guy who says uh, that he has no memory problems, and then proves he does. The assisi well,
3: well Obrador thing. Well, he can't. He can't remember his memory problems. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, well, look. We, you know, we're being we're being a bit cruel. But I mean, then this guy is running for the highest office in the in on the planet. But-
1: Hold, hold so, on, you're saying, you know, we're, 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 saying we're being crew, cruel. Let's just think about that. He wants to be the president of the free world. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's not cruel to give him a job interview. No. At the end of the day, the public decide. It'll be like getting onto an airplane and the plane, the guy smashing the, uh, smashing the plane up, uh, causing a massive fire emergency evacuation and me sitting next to yes. you and says that was a terrible pilot he said, oh come on give him a break
3: he's old give him a break he's old <laughs> don't be yeah. a
1: pilot yeah, don't be the well, pilot this
3: is the thing I mean there is a there is a, I mean I think as you as you said you know that, that there is a case for having a compulsory retirement age or maybe even term limits
1: well t- Trump I I said Trump made a good point there he did some cognitive tests and passed it with flying cars. I don't doubt he did. Uh, You know that Donald Trump is teetotal. He he doesn't drink because there was some tragedy in in his family involving drugs. And he is teetotal. People make a joke. I mean, being, being drunk, one of the things I really respect is for all the pressure he has, as far as I know, never taken drugs. And In my judgment, his cognitive test idea is better because you might be sharp as attack at 81, but not so good at 51. So my view is that what we should have is what Trump said, some kind of a cognitive test. But you know what? Maybe not even that, because Biden seems to be an exceptionally, exceptionally difficult case uh, because he's deteriorated so fast.
3: Yes. Well, let the public decide. You know, it's, it's like all these people in Colorado and Maine who are trying to get Trump taken off the ballot plate. Well, let, let, you know, let the public decide whether, you know, the people are perfectly capable of forming an opinion on Biden and on Trump. And on that basis, they'll vote for one or the other or not bother. Yeah, that's the
1: other thing that I notice here, cancellation. Uh, yeah. I, I sense that uh, Donald Trump is... They're trying to cancel him because they think that biden can't beat him so we've got the cynicism here going on saying well let's get trump off on a technicality and you might say it's a big technicality because of his involvement with the storming of capitol hill but i've always well, thought it's a yeah. little bit of a stretch no one can seriously believe in a common sense way that trump was inciting violence no one can seriously believe that surely
3: well here's here's the thing Lember. go back to 2016 Nobody saw Trump coming. He was loftily dismissed. Uh, you had all the usual suspects saying, "Oh, Trump will never be president, and he's, he's a complete no hoper. and um, Biden called, Biden referred to him as a joke. And nobody really saw, and it was just going to be the narrative was it'll be a shoe-in for Madam President, Hillary Clinton. Uh, and nobody saw Trump coming. Uh, so they didn't take him seriously. And uh, to coin a phrase, you know, they laughed at it, but they're not laughing now.
1: Yeah, that's right, actually. Uh, uh, your prediction on this one, uh, we'll be covering uh, the American election in more detail next week. But yeah, uh, yeah, first of all, who do you think will be the candidate for the Republicans and for the Democrats? Start with that.
3: Well, uh, I mean, Trump, He's he's just won the Nevada caucus by a country mile. And there's only really Nikki Haley left in the race. Uh, the the South Carolina primary is in two weeks' time. Um, she used to be before they sent her off to the UN. She was governor of South Carolina. If she doesn't do really well in South Carolina, I can't see how she can stay in. A lot of this is money-driven. You know, at some stage you have to say that the, the money's running out. We're not getting the donors because you know we're not winning. Um, although there is a there is a bit of a conspiracy theory that Nikki Haley will stay in the race in. The eventuality that Trump is um, sent off to jail and yeah. cannot be the Republican nominee, she would be the only person left standing. So there is that that theory around that she will stay in the race, uh, maybe. And but and, and maybe uh, I think the Republican convention is in, is in it's in July, I think. But if but if Trump has been disqualified by some method, she might be the only person left, even though her, her nominations would be way below. So there is this sort of slight conspiracy theory that she will try and stay in the race uh, in, in 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 the hope that you know, Trump somehow gets banned or cancelled or is forced to drop out.
1: I, th- there's, I, th- I might have got the title wrong. I think it's Soul Survivor or Lone Survivor. Soul Survivor. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. With Kiefer Sutherland. It's roughly on that subject. So uh, I, I recommend all- it to you. Enough of this uh, American indulgence, so in a moment, let's come back to you, Tim, and we'll talk about (laughs) something that you are competent to talk about, which is not Ireland politics. We'll well, come back. Yeah, well, uh, we shall ju- we, I shall be the judge having been a, a citizen Indeed. of that particular part Indeed. of the United Kingdom. We'll come back to Tim Scott yeah. in a minute. If you've got your views, go to uh, our website, tntradio.live. Uh, more to come from Tim Scott. We'll be talking about what I think is probably the best news story of the last few years in British politics, uh, the peace that broke out uh, not far from where I'm sitting. Why did it happen? Will it last? And what lessons do we learn about doing politics? right? All of that here on the Lempotopic Show, right here
0: on TNT. See you in a minute tnt's mark morano this just in we have a new way that's proven effective in dealing with climate protesters who deign to block highways streets and other public areas yes ladies and gentlemen this appears to be the most effective way we have a uh, we have a field shot a correspondent on the scene let's go to clip four and take a look at how to deal with climate protesters when they block your way on your morning commute to see protests shut down but obviously when you're blocking traffic and you're doing that you need to be dealt with i thought this was a great vigilante way of dealing with it mark morano on today's news talk tnt a better business tip from tnt radio News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio.
1: I do
2: a lot of streaming radio. I
0: do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live.
1: Greetings, welcome back. Glenn pick here all the way through for the next uh, about 100 minutes or so. Uh, never enough time, but always enough to dig reasonably deep into subjects, which then I hope that you go on and spend the rest of the day or the evening considering and discussing. The chat, which you can find at tntradio.live, is going wild. Really impressed uh, with what's going on here. Uh, we've been talking about the President of the United States, not what Tim Scott was was advertised <laughs> coming on for. But let me just read you some of the comments. Well, as I say, we'll be coming back to this next week. Uh, uh, Blut und Boden says, is Trump hated by the establishment because he's a nationalist? I suspect he's hated because he's not the establishment actually. Uh, James Williams says, Capitol Hill was not stormed. Nobody had any weapons except police. Film shows doors being opened by security and letting people in peacefully. There were some deaths actually. That's the thing that bothers me. My question really is to what extent can Donald Trump be held culpable uh, for the violence uh, there. Once again, don't want to go any further into it today, really. Just a couple more comments. So, Trump doesn't need drugs, uh, period. So, it's hidden in plain sight, as the US say. Uh, yes, they do say, period. I've always thought it was a bit strange uh, statement that uh, James Williams said you can stand for president in jail, there is precedence. And that's right. Uh, even if he does get uh, arrested and put in prison, I've checked this, by the way, with professionals, he could run the United States from a state penitentiary. And perhaps at least that means you know exactly where the Prime Minister, the President is. Uh, Perhaps it's safer for him. Who knows? Uh, Do keep your calls and comments coming there. Uh, It's a pretty lively discussion. Uh, As I say, next week, I hope to get uh, one of our uh, United States commentators on, uh, need to confirm his availability. And we'll talk, we'll give it an hour to talk about what's happening between Trump and Biden. I think that's a dynamic situation, but Biden's current performance could be affecting uh, what's gonna happen this year in presidential year. But let's get uh, closer to home if you happen to be in the United Kingdom and gets very close to home wherever you live in the world if you want a good news story. Uh, Northern Ireland or the North of Ireland, uh, politically charged commentary there, I'll explain why in a minute, is one of the four nation states that makes up the United Kingdom, England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland has been the subject of trouble, not for decades, but for centuries. Since Westminster, Parliament there in all its many forms, sought to control the whole of the island of Ireland, which it did until the early 1920s. Then after a freedom struggle, uh, most of uh, Ireland was given up to becoming a free state. The south of Ireland era had different names, but it is an independent state in in the European Union. The United Kingdom held on to six counties uh, in the northeast corner, and so it has remained for over a century. Many feel that uh, the Catholic, the nationalist community, was suppressed, and that led to violence in the 1960s and 70s and 80s. Eventually, a peace process began in the 1990s, and it led to what looks like a kind of armed neutrality now. Over the last 10 days, the Peace talks between the warring, not physically warring, but verbally warring partners, uh, factions, has led to a partnership, which means Northern Ireland is now once being, once again being being led by the politicians there instead of directly from Westminster. That's a very short potted history of half a millennium. What's it all mean? Does, there ha- provide, does it provide any kind of meaningful lesson? to so the rest of us around the world. Well, joining me now is a man who has been in the front line there uh, on the British military side, it's Tim Scott. Tim, thanks for joining us here on TNT. Good, thanks
3: to be back, uh, Lembit thank you.
1: First of all tell us what you did there which might turn some people against you straight away of course but uh, to listeners and viewers i say bear with it because tim has a very good story to tell uh, once we've uh, we've understood his role what what did you do in uh, in northern ireland
3: yeah well like 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 many of us who who served over there um and uh, the troubles went through you know various different stages it's great to see northern ireland more at peace now but um i was a a, a lieutenant in the army, I was later a captain, and I was in charge of a platoon of um, twenty-five to thirty soldiers. And we did a derry tour, a London Derry. Some will call it. I, I'm happy to call it Derry. Um, it has a, a Catholic-stroke Republican uh, majority. It's quite a historical city. There was troubles. It uh, was uh, one of the original cities where the troubles kicked off in the late sixties. And uh, it was in uh, the mid '80s. The troubles were still at their height, and we uh, were the resident uh, UK infantry battalion covering um, Derry, both sides of the river—the water side and the city side, as they were called. And we did the usual sort of thing that you would expect. We went out on patrols. We did searches. We um, arrested people in the middle of the night, uh, and you know all that sort of good stuff. And we 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 did lose. Uh, we did lose. We did lose three guys. Uh, on that tour, but it's, uh, it was fascinating. I, um, I have to say I enjoyed it. Some people may think that's a bit perverse, but actually when you're a soldier, you want to do some proper soldiering actually. Maybe that some people might think that's a bit odd. Um, but it was, um, it was a quite a productive tour. And, and I think in our small way, we contributed towards uh, a situation where the IRA, eventually realized that they were not going to be able to drive us out of Northern Ireland. Uh, they were not going to be able to bomb their way to an Irish Republic. And they eventually had to, were forced really to come to the negotiating table.
1: Well, you've, you've actually slipped in a bit of propaganda there, Tim, because there will be those uh, in Northern Ireland who violently disagree with any claim that uh, it was won by uh, the, the military presence some would say it was provoked by the military presence. Let me explain this subtlety, which you will be familiar with, about how sensitive the whole situation is. If you say Northern Ireland, then uh-huh. the clue is in Northern Ireland that it is part of the United Kingdom. If you say the north of Ireland, the inference is that it's part of the South and North of Ireland. In other words, you're a Republican. Therefore, the phrase North of Ireland indicates that you're a nationalist and Northern Mm -hmm. Ireland indicates that you're a unionist, part of the UK. Now, uh, that's the level of subtlety that many people, uh, including various secretary of states for Northern Ireland in British politics, didn't understand. And you were wading around with a gun in that situation. Before we talk about the politics, did you did you ever feel that you're an occupying force
3: um well it's interesting because the if you look at Derry, the what was known as the city side which was the other side of the river Foyle, and was not far from the border with donegal it always felt more irish than british and i've i've said that before um so I, did i feel like an occupying force well no because it was part of the uk but I, 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 I do concede that the uh, the Bogside, the Fregan, uh, the Chantello Estates—they did uh, certainly feel, I think, more more Irish than uh, the British. And I'm aware that some people uh, didn't wish us well, and uh, would much rather that we had left. Of course, the British Army has now effectively left Derry because there's been a sustainable peace solution, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. Uh, and you know, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to say there are now. Uh, no British troops stationed in Northern Ireland other than as they on the same basis that they would be stationed anywhere else in the UK and uh, okay. I'm I'm very happy to see Northern Ireland and um, I visited Derry a few years ago very happy to see it uh, a lot more at peace and and without the likes of me having to patrol the streets another subtlety there uh,
1: London Derry used to be what uh, those who supported the British Union called it and Derry was what those who uh, supported uh, reunification of the whole of Ireland called it. But now yeah. I think Derry seems to be the, the the preferred parlance and certainly it's for lazy uh, yes. people it's better.
3: <laughs> uh, I've, um, yes, you, you saved six letters. Um, mm. I, I've i always been happy to call it Derry. Not quite sure why, I, I suppose because, yeah, it, it does have a, if you include both sides of the river, the water side, the western, Uh, sorry, the eastern side of the River Foyle was more Unionist and Protestant. Um, If you add it together, Derry does have a nationalist stroke Catholic stroke Republican majority. Mm -hmm. So I've always been happy to call it Derry.
1: I was actually Shadow Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, and that's for another time. And I visited the Republican side and I was fascinated. What I discovered was that the people were normal. Uh, They had major uh, quality of life problems, because they didn't have much money. They were Mm. passionate about their families, they loved their kids, and they didn't Mm. like the trouble. Now, Mm. so did the other side. And that's the interesting thing. Let's look at this situation that's developed then over the last well, actually a few years, but particularly in the last 10 days, when it's when we've seen the historic restarting of a power sharing arrangement between not just groupings, but actual individuals, who occupied, in some cases, a paramilitary role, whether that's been publicly recognised or not, in some of these these uh, factions which, which were armed. Try let's try and talk about it in a way which makes sense to anyone around the world. How yes. is it that how is it that uh, paramilitary organisations, represented in large part by their politicians, have been able to come together to run that part of the world? what went right
3: what went right yes that's a very good question and i think there was a there was a war weariness and you you know you could also look at the civil war in lebanon for example there's just a, after 30 years of the troubles um, there was just a war weariness and and you know most people uh, wh- wherever they are they just want to get on with life you know they want to live in peace and 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 have a decent life and and get on with life um and Martin McGuinness, who's who's no longer with us, but he he is a classic example. From gunman to government, uh he became deputy first prime minister. Um so you've had this situation. You, you, uh, Northern Ireland, of course, Brexit's been involved. We we can go into that if you want, and the the way that the laws and the rules and the regulations changed. But I think there was uh and, and, and if people want a bit more detail on it, there's a really good book called a Secret History of the IRA by Ed Maloney. That the Republican leadership, from about the from about the late nineteen eighties onwards, started to realise that they were not going to be able to make Northern, make Northern Ireland ungovernable, and that they could actually get more of what they wanted if they were able to talk to the governments and come to the negotiating table. And so you had, for example, Gerry um, Adams. Um, Having back channel talks with the British government, Martin McGuinness with John Hume. I'm sure you remember John Hume, the, um, the SDLP, um, MP, Northern Ireland's equivalent of Labour. Both Hume and McGuinness were dairy men. Martin McGuinness was known to be having back channel talks with the Irish government. And they then, and McGuinness and Gerry Adams and others, uh, then started to slowly move the IRA. And some of the more gung-ho elements of the IRA, like the South Armagh Brigade, were were very leery of this. They started to slowly move the IRA IRA away from uh, the armed struggle. There had been the previous comment you may remember about, uh, I think it was Danny Morrison talking about, should we seize power with the rifle in one hand and the ballot box in the other? You may remember that famous comment, armor light. The armor light. Yeah, an armor light. Yes, they did. They did. Yes. To be fair, he did. He did actually say, an armor light in one hand and uh, the ballot box in the other." They then started to talk about the tactical use of armed struggle. So the big, you may remember some of the big bombs that went off in London, the big Canary Wharf bomb, the Bishopsgate bomb, that, that had very, very few casualties but caused massive damage. This was to put pressure on the British government. To um to take the negotiation seriously. So we ended up with a temporary IRA ceasefire, which many of the activists and volunteers were not happy with. Um, so I think uh and, and, and I think another factor here, Lembit, was that um us Brits, we had we had the IRA thoroughly infiltrated, and we had some very, very highly placed um informers. Of, of whom the most infamous was codenamed steak knife uh freddy scappatici who was head of the uh, the ira's internal security unit or or as they were known the Nutting squad and um if uh if you were suspected of being an informer or a towel as they as they called it you would you would be kidnapped by these guys and um uh it, you know it uh, it wouldn't end well so the ira had a number of uh, Around that time, we're talking now of the late 80s and the early 90s, the IRA had a number of failed or bungled operations that had to be called off um, or that went wrong or had to be called off at the last minute because British intelligence knew and the RUC knew what was happening almost before it happened because they were so infiltrated and riddled with informants. And this, I think, helped to create a situation where the IRA leadership, McGuinness, Gerry Adams, um, and others started to realise we can get more of we, we won't get everything. You know, it's the it's 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 uh the glass half full, half empty conundrum that we can actually get something of what we want if we're prepared to give up the armed struggle and come to the negotiating table.
1: Well that's I have a slightly different perspective on it. It's it's a bit of a moot point because in the next part of the programme I want to talk about about the achievement and level of achievement, the lessons that we can learn for politics from it. But I actually feel that there was a weariness on both mm. sides. Uh, there was a stalemate to an extent. Now, I know the individuals you're talking about, I knew Martin McGuinness and uh, the Reverend Ian Paisley, who was a very big, big character on the Unionists on the Protestant side very well. And it seemed to me that they had, they felt in the same way that in a game of, of chess, or a game of snooker, sometimes the, the board becomes stale and no Mm -hmm. one's going to make any real progress and I felt that uh, in a sense people were saying in a very human way we're tired of all this killing and it's just exhausting our communities and we don't Mm -hmm. want to see more kids die I felt that that was actually a very human motivation in it as well and the reason I say that is because I've met families and a chap called Jerry Kelly who Uh, pretty much around the ira and and they they had no reason to lie to me about this i feel that they were saying we had to find another way
3: yes i think you're right and i mean also if you look at Derry for example um prior to the trouble starting at the end of the 60s i mean the housing for on the nationalist republican catholic side of the river was terrible and it was part of the route and you know there were genuine grievances at the at the beginning of the troubles there were genuine and legitimate grievances, and and then of course we had an... I've uh, uh, um, always been happy to say this we had Bloody Sunday in Derry in January 1972. I've always felt that was a huge injustice, um, and the original Widgery report was a complete whitewash. And we 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 got to the truth eventually with the the the, um, the Northern Ireland Inquiry. Okay, it went on for ages, but it was part of the peace process, and Cameron was able to issue an apology. Uh, for and it, and I think that just, went somewhere. Just,
1: just to explain to those who don't know, uh, Bloody Sunday was a terribly dark day in British history when it was, soldiers it was. basically just murdered uh, a whole load of double figure number of of peaceful protesters. Uh, they just literally went out and shot them in the middle of the of the demonstration, which was the greatest recruiting sergeant for the IRA, which was the the Republican terrorist group. Uh, that the organisation had ever had. So, finish your point,
3: Tim. Then we'll go to a break. We'll go, go on. Yeah, sure, sure. No, you're right. It was uh, four, fourteen were killed on the day, and fourteen wounded. And uh, British troops ran them up. You know, there's no doubt about it. It was terrible. Um, yeah, but but I think also what wh- wh- where I was getting to was a huge, um, in, certainly in Derry, and I think in other parts of Northern Ireland, a huge amount of new housing was built um, in in uh, particularly to the north of the city and the Chantello. So people actually had more access to decent housing and you you when you get these kind of conflicts and and there are legitimate concerns and issues, mm. um, you've got to look at some of the underlying causes as well. Mm. And I think for example, just uh, just giving you one example, the provision of a lot of new decent housing for people, um, I think that went some way towards uh, addressing the legitimate concerns that the nationalist Republican Catholic uh, population had.
1: We're going to break now. But after this, I want to talk about the actual situation and a piece of history. The first Republican, first minister of the north of Ireland in the history, in the history of that nation state of the United Kingdom. Uh, you're listening to The Lampetopic Show. I'm with Tim Scott, who's had a frontline seat in the troubles of Northern Ireland. We're going to talk about the good news story of what happens next in just a few minutes uh, right here on TNT. See you in a minute.
0: This expert analysis and opinion. This is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Oh no, could the
2: squad soon be a thing of the past? Well, based on the hot water that Democrat representatives Cori Bush from Missouri and Ilhan Omar, her brother's wife from Minnesota are in, all signs point to yes, outcome likely. What am I talking about? Well, according to Representative Byron Donalds of Florida, Cori Bush has diverted campaign funds into some questionable security expenses. And Omar was filmed in Somalia saying she's Somalian first and Muslim second. Didn't seem to be a mention of the United States or her oath of office to the Constitution in there. The sooner we're well shot of these people, the better. They're clearly here based on intersectionality, not intellect and nothing will become them so much as they're leaving. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. There are 16 million children struggling with hunger in America. That's one in five daughters, sons, neighbors, and classmates who don't know where their next meal is coming from. Yet billions of pounds of good food go to waste every year. It's time we do something about it. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks that helps provide meals to millions of kids and families in need. Visit feedingamerica.org to help them feed even more. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're feeding America.
0: Opic. You're listening to Limbit Opic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to my show
1: here on today's News Talk TNT. Uh, coming up in the next hour, we're speaking to Ollie Nelkin. He's a UK film director and also uh, quite a radical activist when it comes to the media. Uh, incidentally, don't forget, we're going to be going big on Julian Assange in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, I'm honored to be involved in that. Uh, GNT is going to give that freedom fighter a uh, fair uh exposure uh when others might feel a bit uncomfortable about doing so but more of that to come uh, at the moment we're talking about northern ireland or the north of ireland uh, a success story in peace negotiations uh, which at one point involved uh, the late nelson mandela who took the then warring factions to south africa which might some might say was another great success story at least at the time maybe not so much now and we've now got from the shooting to the shouting to the working together. How can that have happened? How is it that we go to war in Ukraine and we allow this horrendous loss of innocent life in the Middle East, and yet in Northern Ireland, people who were shooting are now working together? With me, Tim Scott, a military man who actually served in Northern Ireland and has very candid views about this. Tim, we're now in a situation. Oh, one other thing. Sorry, I need to clarify this before we go back in. Uh, I've been criticized by Ashley Babbitt for not understanding the nature of the deaths on the Capitol Hill riots. I understand them, but I just didn't want to get into it today because we'll look at this much more deeply next week. Uh, And if you want to look at the chat, then uh, you'll find out what the dialogue is. I do get the point you're making, though. Uh, Let's cover that next week, if that's okay, because it's just too much to cover today. (laughs) We're already slightly behind time in terms of what I want to cover. Uh, Tim, uh, we've got uh, Michelle O'Neill, who is head of the uh, reformed Northern Ireland Assembly. She's Sinn Féin. Some say the entire system was set up to make sure this would never happen. I'm not quite so sure about that. I was actually one of the people who helped the system be set up, and that wasn't the intention. But nevertheless, many never expected Sinn Féin to be able to rule over the six counties which were put together to be the home of Protestantism. How did this happen? Well,
3: to be fair, Sinn Féin have come a long way. Uh, they were the political wing of the IRA. But I think now they, they have come a long way. And the, there were the Northern Ireland Assembly elections in May 2020, and that is the reflection now. Uh, there are 90 seats, which seems a lot for one and a half million people, but anyway. And Sinn Féin won the most seats. Although the DUP won very slightly the most votes, um, so Sinn Fein won 27 and the DUP 125. Although, as I said, it was slightly odd, the DUP got more votes. So th- this is the system: is that the um, the party that comes first nominates the first minister, Michelle O'Neill, and the second, um, the DUP have nominated uh, Emma Little Pengelly as the deputy minister. And Edwin Poots from the DUP is um, also the speaker, and it's good. It's good to see Stormont back up and running. Um, it, it, it wasn't back up and running for two years. Um, really, you've you've got to go back to the. I think just very quickly, uh, the Northern Ireland Peace Agreement, the, the Good Friday Agreement of ninety eight, which predicated an open border with with no security checkpoints. Um, when I was there, there were security checkpoints on all border roads. In fact, the IRA blew one of them up with a car bomb. I remember six soldiers killed. We then get to the Northern Ireland Protocol, um, which and and we then we then go to the Windsor Framework. And so, without you know delving on all of that in too much in in too much sort of geeky detail, the DUP um, under Jeffrey Donaldson were never happy with the arrangements. They saw it as separating Northern Ireland from the rest of the UK, putting a bit of a customs border down the middle of the Irish Sea but they have managed to get some concessions and again without getting too much into the geeky details the the DUP now appear happy that some of the border checks and restrictions and paperwork have been eased. so the DUP have now agreed to go back into government and therefore the Northern Ireland Assembly uh, has has been reconvened uh, uh, because it, it, it had basic Northern Ireland had basically been run by civil servants uh since um since the elections in may twenty twenty two. So it's good to see the Northern and en- uh, the, the Northern Ireland Assembly back. I mean, I've no great love for Sinn Féin, but let's give them some credit. They have come a long way. Uh and I think they're now they are I think they are genuinely committed. There's still a few there's still a few hotheads around as we saw with the Omar uh bombing from the so called real IRA. Uh there was a shooting recently in Derry, I seem to remember, and I, I I, I've no doubt the IRA have handed over most, but not all, of their weapons. But, but so we, we can never take an outright assumption of, of a ceasefire for granted. But let's give Sinn Féin some credit. Uh, they have come a long way. Martin McGuinness was deputy prime minister. He shook the Queen's hand. So, you know, that's that's some shift from them. So, so whilst I'm not overjoyed to see a Sinn Féin first minister, let's give them some credit. I've no problem with it, but I know the
1: individuals, as I say, and uh, my observation is twofold. First of all, Northern Ireland has, by a country mile, got the most uh, able politicians on in the whole of the British Isles, certainly in the United Kingdom, uh, and that's maybe because their politics has been tested in fire, while we've got this blancmange set of career politicians in places like Westminster and in Cardiff and sadly in Scotland now. And the second reason I think is because when it's a matter of life and death, you really do pay attention to who governs you Mm. and I think, or serves you. I prefer to think of politicians as servants rather than as, as governors. And as such, when you meet people from Northern Ireland, they really understand politics. It's not like, oh, I don't really know. They say, well, uh, Michelle O'Neill is this. Uh, the late Reverend Ian Paisley was that. Uh, the Alliance Party, which is a, a cross-community party, is, the, is something else. And, and it seems to me, Tim, and I wonder what you think about this. And once again, I'm trying to think about our global audience here. What we've seen here is people who have actually raised arms and pointed guns at each other are able to work together when the immediate threat of either oppression or violence is set aside, at least temporarily, and you look for the common ground. Now, I think, Tim, this is a lesson that should be learned for Ukraine. It's a lesson that must be learned in Gaza with Israel, but it's not being learned. So while in Northern Ireland, there's there's still a simmering, it's still a little bit of underlying sectarian violence, but nothing like what was there when I grew up there. In these other places it continues unabated because they completely ignored the achievement of of northern ireland
3: yes it's sorry to see these these conflicts going on i think northern ireland is a is a very very good example of what happens when people get war weary they get fed up they just want a normal in inverted promise normal life they don't want their kids to grow up with checkpoints and soldiers on the street, and, and I don't blame them at all. At the end of the day, that's what most, if not all of us want. Um, and Northern Ireland has has managed to get there, and you've managed, it's quite, it is remarkable that you've managed to get, I mean, whoever thought you would have Ian Paisley and Martin McGuinness in government together, you you would never have thought that uh, you know you would have seen that. And if, and you're quite right, Lynn, but if you look at other conflicts around the world, um, Lebanon has a, which had a vicious civil war. There's an uneasy, um, well, I, I was going to call it a peace, but things are certainly a lot better in Lebanon. Israel-Hamas, I think, seems to be intractable. Um, I, I, I think Hamas are far worse than the IRA ever were. So I, I've got to be honest with Israel-Hamas. I can't see a quick or easy solution there. But there are other but, conflicts in other in, in 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 other parts of the world which which could take an example from Northern Ireland.
1: I hold a different view because I think the principle is the same. Uh, it, mm. It's writ large because of the sheer numbers of deaths. But yeah. let's remember 3,200 people died in the Northern Ireland conflict, population uh, 1.5 million. 25,000 or 26,000 people have died so far in the Gaza-Israeli conflict, population 12 million people. It's the same order of magnitude if you take the whole community of Israel and Gaza together. And the other reason I think it's the same, Tim, I'm interested to know what you feel, and you don't have to agree with me on this, is because the enclave of republicanism had a lot in common with Gaza. It was like a siege mentality there, surrounded by the authorities, which, as you know, often colluded with the paramilitaries on the Protestants on the the pro-UK side, and uh, and we know that Castle Ray Police Station was a place of terrible uh, wrongdoing towards Catholics. So I actually think that there is a lesson here to say that something which looks intractable, your phrase and the phrase often used when I was growing up in Northern Ireland, it, it stops, the trouble stops when you give people an easier way to solve their problems. Yeah. And just yeah. as in Northern Ireland, uh, the establishment in the form of Netanyahu are saying we will not do deal with terrorists. Uh, though we do know that there are, is back chat, just as there was in Northern Ireland.
3: Yes. Yes, this this thing of, well, we don't negotiate with terrorists. I mean, in the end, if you want peace, you have to talk. Um, but you, you mentioned the 3,200 casualties out of one and a half million. I mean, I did a quick back of an envelope calculation allowing for population, multiplying that up. So for Australia, that would be 50,000 deaths. For the UK, it would be 150,000 deaths. And for the USA, it would be about 600,000 deaths. Mm. So that gives you a scale, um, of, because 3,200, mm, but it was only out of a, as you quite rightly point out at the top of the hour, Lembit, that was out of a, popu- a relatively small population of one and a half million. So if you scale those figures up internationally, it gives you a sense of, and there were very very few people who were untouched by the troubles in in northern ireland uh, i remember patrolling once along the south armagh border and we'd stop at all the farms and every farm you stopped at you know they knew somebody they had a cousin or whatever uh you know who 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 had been killed in the conflict um so uh, eventually you 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 have to talk shooting shooting is better than shouting is sorry other wrong way around shouting is better than shooting as you quite rightly say
1: look at looking ahead uh let me read you this and tim i'll explain why i'm reading this once i've read it ed has said those who seek the united ireland seems seem to be blind to the corrupt globalist world economic forum government in dublin mary Lou mcdonald is wef sinn fein is losing support in southern ireland because of the progressive policies and mass influx of migration of migrants now the reason i read that out tim is if sinn fein is successful in becoming the mainstream in the North and the South, it's going to end up being judged on things which have nothing to do with the troubles. It's going to be economy. It's going to be migration. It's going to be health. And perhaps, and we've only got a couple of minutes, but perhaps one of the blessings and the curses all at once is when the troubles go, normal politics takes over. And normal politics is a lot more complicated because it's not a single issue. What do you think?
3: Yes. Yes. If you're in government, you have to cope with the everyday bread and butter issues. And yes. So now that we've got a Sinn Féin First Minister, uh, and and the same principle would apply in, in, in the Republic as well, they're going to start to be judged on housing, on immigration, on the cost of living, and uh, all this kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how Sinn Féin that was formed as the political wing of a paramilitary group. And as, as I keep saying, let's give them credit for making the journey. They're going to start to be. Um, uh, it's a bit like UKIP after Brexit, you know. Uh, it's you know, it, which I was quite involved in, as you know. But uh, once we'd had Brexit, it was like, oh, okay, well, what now? Mm. So Sinn Fein on both sides of the border in Northern Ireland are going to have to grapple with that issue. And I know that. I mean, there's there's a lot of disquiet in the Republic about the levels of immigration that we have that, that that they are have, for example. Um, so. Let's see how that reflects. I mean, it, it it could, I think, be a bit of a problem for Sinn Féin, but, but let's see.
1: Tim, you're multifaceted. Next time we'll have you back to talk about the Freedom Association and its progress in defending our civil liberties in the UK. Really appreciate you taking the time uh, today to talk with us about your insights into the situation in Northern Ireland. And perhaps some will be surprised that a a former military man like you will take the views that you do. Uh, Tim, real pleasure. You'll come back again to today's news talk, I hope.
3: Uh, Definitely, Lembit, And good to see you. And thanks for having me on. My pleasure,
1: and thanks for for joining us. That is uh, Tim, uh, Scott. Coming up next, we've got a live wire in the world of alternative media. We're going to talk about something which is close to my heart and perhaps close to the heart of TNT viewers also. What is happening with the slow death of the legacy media? Where do we get our news? Is there a future for the kind of stuff that you've had for decades? Perhaps you don't need it anymore. All of that in the next hour with me on The Lempotopic Show right here on Today's News Talk TNT. Don't go anywhere. See you in a few minutes.